The month of November in the Catholic Church sort of feels like it should belong to its own liturgical season. We still wear green, but sometimes I feel like there ought to be its own color, sort of like Advent that's coming up, sort of has that season of, of waiting for Jesus to spring into our life, that purple, that darkness that the light will come into, or the white of Easter celebrating that resurrection and new life that has begun. You know, I might uh, write a letter to Pope Francis and suggest maybe orange or brown or something like that, sort of as the, the leaves are changing, right? So this green needs to fade, needs to fade away during the month of November, because that's exactly what the church is turning to, beginning with All Saints Day, sort of looking towards the end that the saints have already achieved, and then All Souls Day, that end for which Many that we know are going through death, passing from this life to the life to come. And throughout this month, really, the theme is on death and on the last things, on the resurrection from the dead and the life of the world to come. It's on, it's on the end, the end towards which everything is moving. And that end is Christ. And that's why the last feast of November is the feast of, of Christ the King, Christ King of the universe, the end of all things, where God is all in all, where he sets everything right, where he reigns with all of his holy ones and raises us up. So this month of November, it's, it's a month of ending. And in fact, it does end the liturgical year. In the Catholic Church, we have our own little New Year's. It begins with Advent, that first day, sort of the beginning of a new year. And so since we're coming to the end, it would be good for us to meditate a little bit on our own end. Uh, not just end, when I say that, I don't just mean when you come to an end and it's finished, it's over, there's nothing left, but rather when I say end, I mean the end for which we were created, the end towards which this story is heading, the end that makes everything complete and perfect. That's the end that's hinted at in, in all of our readings in this Sunday, especially the readings concerning Seven brothers, you notice that there is a connection between the first reading and the gospel, having to do with seven brothers and this longing for the life to come. Those seven in the first reading who fought bravely under the Maccabees were all put to death in that, that first kind of martyrdom. And all of them encouraged by their mother. And their mother especially is the heroine of that story, showing all of them to, of belief in something new in a resurrection to come, the resurrection of the body. And then coming to the gospel, Jesus answering these Sadducees. These Sadducees were, were Jews, yes, and yet they were missing something very essential in the message to Israel. And that message was the new life that God was calling us to. The Sadducees were very concerned with the political realm that they found themselves in. They were leaders of this political world in Israel and yet had little to do with maybe that spiritual life, the life of the world to come. And so the Lord wants to speak to us about this resurrection of the body. What does this mystery of our faith really mean? What impact does it have on our daily lives here and now? Well, it's actually enormous. The resurrection of the body is, is one of those aspects of the Catholic faith that people from the outside will often take in and ridicule in some way. You know, they'll say, oh, you, you Christians, you believe in this reward that you get after this life. This life means nothing. 
and nothing matters here on this earth. And in fact, you know, you're just all living for this pretend life to come. And it's, you know, a fair ridicule, I suppose, in some ways. And yet when you look at the history of the world, you find that it's actually very, very flipped on its opposite. It's those who have no hope in the life to come that actually don't care about this world at all. And they care only about using this world to gain themselves the most power, pleasure, and possessions that they can. And they have no love for what actually happens here and now. But it's those that are most concerned, that are most worried about the resurrection of the body, about what happens when we die, that are most concerned about this world as well, about what we do in the body. The mystery of this uh, is put down into words by one of our recent popes and saints, St. John Paul II, when he wrote Theology of the Body, T-O-B, Tab, as we know it in the church. It's, it's a wonderful set of teachings, very sometimes difficult to enter into, but very worthwhile to study. If you ever uh, get the chance to find some, some avenue, some media that you can learn a little bit more about theology of the body, it's well worth our time. Because it's, it explains this mystery, why we're so concerned, yes, with the life to come, but how that life bleeds over into the life we have now. Uh, the theology of the body, it begins with the body, looking at the body that we are created in, a body that has a face, very particular face that wants to be shown and eyes that can recognize so many gestures of that face. Uh, we're created with hands that can fit another person's hands in them very nicely. You know, not many other animals are able to hold hands, hardly any. Their fingers are either too wide or too closed on each other. We have hands that can hold each other. When we look at this, we see that our bodies are made for communion. We're made for relationship. We're made for love. And that's not an accident. Jesus, you know, always goes back to the beginning, to Genesis, uh, to explain many things in the scriptures. There's no difference in Genesis when God created us in his own image and likeness. Uh, he himself is a communion of persons, a communion of love, and so he made that, made us according to that plan of communion. And he made us in bodies, though. Bodies that sort of serve as a window into the soul. You know, many uh, people don't, don't necessarily care what, what their bodies are all about. They matter more, you know, who I am underneath. And yet, uh, the body is the window to the soul. You are your body as much as you are your soul. When I point to you, I can't point to your soul anywhere, but I can point to your body. And I can't see what you're feeling, I can't see what you're thinking, but your body can show me that especially if you desire to reveal yourself to me. And so the body is so important then in entering that communion of love. The body is a sacrament of the soul, John Paul II goes on to say. Uh, sacraments we know very well in uh, the church, sacraments being those visible signs that show forth an invisible reality. And so in the church, we, has, we have this great language of the body, uh, of bodily things raising us to spiritual realities, and yet we're fallen. Because we're bodily creatures, we have this ability to, to use bodily things for our own pleasure, for our own gain, instead of loving. To love being always to give, to give of ourselves. Whenever we think of uh, giving, you know, we have, it's a very bodily motion. Uh, we have these hands to give 
we have this face to speak words that others may hear. Again, our bodies are designed to give of ourselves, and yet we can also use them to take. And so with this theology of the body and, and the recognition that we're made for communion, we're made for love, that is the end that we're drawn towards, it means everything we do in the body here and now is so important, is so necessary. Nothing is too small. And so it transforms the way we live here and now. If I am my body as much as I am my soul, then the things I do in my body matter. And the things I do to my body matter. The body sort of holds the record of the, of the soul. It sort of keeps track of everything that the soul has done. It gets imprinted on the body. That, you know, 10 slices of pizza I ate this week watching all those football games. It leaves its mark on, on the body. And also, when we sin, that doesn't just leave a mark on the soul. It leaves its mark in the body. The things we watch, uh, the actions we take, it actually conforms us in a certain way to following that rut. And yet, so also with sin, so also with grace. God, in the body, Jesus took on flesh to sanctify the body, to sanctify everything we do as bodily creatures that it become an instrument of grace. And so to enter more and more into this bodily world is a Catholic thing to do. And again, that's why so many of the saints in history were so concerned with the world around them because they had this appreciation of the world that was created by God and that was returning to God. A world that was created for communion with God, a world that is a sacrament of the invisible God. And so as we live out this final liturgical season of the year, a season focused on the end to come, let's learn as well to live in our body as that temple and sacrament of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that everything we do matters, and because it matters, God has a special plan for it, a special plan for your life, for your soul, uh, for your body and to become attuned to that plan as we do all these bodily things in the church, we approach the body of Christ, the sacrament of our salvation, and let it transform us body, mind, and soul into the bride of Christ, the church, which will be present there in the end uh, to adore God forever.